Crisis y nada más. A Real Madrid Podcast. going on everybody welcome to y nada más el real madrid podcast i am your host eric rivera and this is episode 30 of the podcast um there's a lot of talk about today it's a lot of craziness going on in the footballing world and i have something to say about it um and you know before i get started let's just talk about a couple different things going on here with the nada más podcast so i just wanted to talk about um <clears throat> Uh, let's see. So obviously follow us on our social media channels, which are Inadamas Podcast on Twitter and on Facebook. Um, it used to be on Instagram too, Inadamas Podcast. And then I decided to upload a video of Benzema's backheel goal against Barcelona. And my account got banned or whatever from uh, Instagram. And then, uh, well, the account, not our account, my account, um, the account got banned and my designer was kind of pissed because he's the one who does all the, all of the designs for the page. And, uh, you know, they, they got, it got deleted. I, I wrote a, you know, I wrote like a, like a letter, I guess, or, or, uh, what do you call it? An appeal to Instagram to see if I could get back my account. And I think I had posted maybe two videos previously, like short 30 second clips. And the thing is, I see people do that all the time. And then all of a sudden, you know, uh, all of a sudden mine was the one that got banned for it, you know, and I see all these like little sort of things going on all the time. And, you know, I've worked in radio and I've worked in social media long enough to know, you know, copyright infringement, definitely not a good thing. But, uh, you know, there's always been that sort of gray area, whether it's you know, or if you only play like six seconds of a song or something like that, you're kind of in the clear or, um, you know, it's only sometimes you get caught or you're going to get flagged for it. Uh, and, you know, I just said, you know, it, it was a goal that I wanted to put out there and it got dropped. So, uh, you know, I wrote an appeal and uh, they said uh, they basically, you know, Instagram, they, the guy who wrote me back was a real sweetheart and in, in in words, like, you know, in words was kind of like, uh, eloquently telling me to fuck off and that I could never use Instagram again. So real nice guy. And, uh, you know, I was thinking about, you know, sticking up two middle fingers to Instagram and saying, you know, I'm not going to use your services anymore, but, uh, you know, I want to grow this podcast and I want to continue, you know, uh, posting things on Instagram. So our new Instagram is at Y N M podcast. So at Y N M podcast so obviously ynm the abbreviation of inalamas so it's at ynm podcast please follow us there guys we really want to grow our instagram following obviously instagram is a great spot for us to share uh not only my you know my designer's artwork my, my friend carlos's artwork but you know uh and my own since we both you know um design stuff for that page and and, and put up things there 
but you know just to get more more people to listen and things like that so hopefully uh you guys will join us i know there's a lot of people on twitter and i feel like a lot of twitter people just seem to hate instagram or whatnot um because instagram is full of you know i don't know influencers and all sorts of crap like that but you do get great images of football and things like that so my account would be a good one to follow if you want to get cool you know pictures and graphics and designs of uh you know your favorite Real Madrid players then then uh you know check us out at uh YNM podcast um so with that said also you know if you want to write for us uh you can send an email to info at inadamas.net and we also have a gmail account now which is inadamaspodcast at gmail.com um so you can check us out there and that's pretty much it for all of the social media stuff please remember to subscribe on apple podcasts and leave us a uh, apple podcast and wherever you find your podcast we're pretty much everywhere at this point um but please remember to leave a like or a comment and which helps us on, on apple podcasts if you subscribe there because that helps us grow within the ranks uh and we're trying to grow this thing you know a lot of good people you know a lot of people commenting a lot of people liking the show so i thank you very much for that I don't know if a lot of people are going to like this show, you know, this episode right now, because a lot of things I'm going to say, um, I don't know, man. A lot of things I'm going to say are kind of like, I don't know if they're controversial. I don't know if I'm going to get heat for it from Real Madrid fans, um, you know, but, but this whole Super League thing. So anyway, you know, today we played a game against Hitafe. <clears throat> and we tied the game. Uh, we ended up nil-nil. Um, you know, people were angry about it all. You know, we threw away the league or whatever. I still think there's plenty of time, and we didn't lose the game, which was important, considering we had nine absences from the team. You know, considering that we didn't have the likes of – we don't have the likes of Carvajal. We don't have the likes – well, last minute, people that, are, that weren't available at the last minute, we didn't have Valverde. We didn't have Mendy. Uh, we don't have Varan because of COVID. We don't have Sergio Ramos because of COVID. He's got both COVID and an injury. Uh, we don't have Carvajal. Uh, so look at look at our defensive line. We have no Varan, no Sergio Ramos, no Mendy, no Carvajal. Lucas Vasquez is also out. So who do we have defensively? Odio Sola, which we might as well not have somebody. I hate to brag on people. I, I hate to you know talk crap about, about professional athletes, but. That dude isn't a Real Madrid player. He's got to go somewhere else. I mean, he was at Real Sociedad before. Maybe that. Maybe he's more suited for a team like that. Um, honestly, it, it was just not good. He's just not good. You might as well not have a guy there. The fact that Zidane against Liverpool wanted to put Valverde as a right back tells you enough about how much faith he has in Odrio Sola as a right back. So it's 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 crazy, you know, and and you know. The kid hustles, and I'm pretty sure you know. And he, you know, he being at that level to be invited to come to Real Madrid uh, definitely means you have something. They saw something in you, but some people make it and some people don't. And he's not making it. You know, um, you know the likes of Asensio. Uh, once again, you know, uh, kind of total crap game today. I would say Isco fared better than he normally does, but I mean, so anyway, this this. This whole game was essentially, and I and I put it on Twitter. It was essentially uh, spare parts. It was Real Madrid playing with spare parts. 
a Marcelo that hasn't played in a long time, hasn't looked good when he's played defense, has looked good when he's played offensively because he can no longer run up and down the pitch as much as he used to anymore. Still love the guy. We'll always love the guy. But the man's game, the man's time with Real Madrid at this stage is over. Um, so, you know, he just, he just doesn't – he wasn't clicking on the pitch. He wasn't doing uh, – you know, he wasn't, I feel uh, – even, you know, he wasn't helping us in attack. I don't feel he was putting, stringing together passes. He wasn't that, you know, that usual sometimes where he has these, you know, uh, and had in the past these amazing, you know, um, little individual um, just genius moments, you know, uh, and he had plenty of them in his career in Madrid that gave us goals or would, you know, create an assist. I mean, he was amazing. But to have – he. He didn't have that ability today, probably because, you know, we were, you know, he had to, his defensive duties, he had to make sure he wasn't falling back on those. Vinicius Jr. wasn't doing, you know, uh, wasn't playing his best either today. I don't think he was, you know, he was, uh, he wasn't making the runs that he's usually trying to be dangerous and trying to make these like, you know, uh, incisive runs. I don't see, I didn't see him trying to do that. He did try to do that a couple times and Neom stopped him from doing so. And uh, one of the other defenders from Hetafe, um, I just didn't see any clarity in the game. And obviously that that all resulted, and then Modric was all over the pitch, and I mean that in a good way because I think that's the only dude that, um, you know, I, I was thinking the other day, I was actually going to post um, something on Instagram. It was a photo I found, and I think it was, uh, you know, the old photos with some of these photos with Kroos and Casemiro and, and, and Modric together, and obviously that midfield trio. And, and honestly, I feel like if we end up winning either the Champions League, depending on what happens with this whole Super League shit, um, or La Liga, also depending on whatever happens with this whole Super League thing. Um, you know, if we win those titles, if we get those titles, it will be on the backs of three of the most magnificent midfielders we've ever seen at Real Madrid. A world-class performance by the likes, uh, by the likes of Thibault Courtois. Um, you know, it'll be those guys that lead us there. Those guys are the ones that will be, will be deserving of dragging this team on their backs and literally dragging this team on their backs and literally almost passing out on the pitch. Modric is the only guy. I I, I don't know how many uh, minutes Modric has played already. The, the guy needs a statue, and, and that's, I'm, I, you know, yes, I am a huge Modric fan, but the guy needs some sort of a, some sort of a statue erected at El Bernabeu because of what he's done for this team, just because of the sheer tenacity that he has, the sheer strength and desire that he shows for this team every single time he plays. The, the, you know, running yourself ragged to the point of absolute exhaustion. Um, you know, even a lot of sports, a lot of incredibly, incredibly talented athletes um, are, you know, are incredibly talented. But there's a difference between being incredibly talented 
and also having an amazing work ethic. And then sometimes you get these guys, you know, that have an abnormal work ethic. And I mean, like, they're just willing to die for the team or die for their sport. And aside from that, they're also immensely talented. And Luka Modric is one of those guys. Cristiano Ronaldo is one of those guys. Uh, I think Casemiro has some of that heart. Uh, Tony Kroos is kind of quiet, so I don't quite know. But he does, you know, put himself out there. And he does represent, I think, represents Real Madrid extremely well in the way he commands himself and speaks. I mean, we we are lucky at Real Madrid to have these these leaders that we have on this team. These absolute leaders, whether it's Modric, you know, you know, basically telling Piquet to fuck off in a way to just tell him, you know, stop talking to, stop trying to whine about about uh, about refs or whatever. Each time, you know, um, there's a call that goes against you or whatnot in the Clásico. I mean, we just we're just. We're just blessed with these guys, you know. We're blessed with some of these guys that have this this amazing mentality. Sergio Ramos, you know, um, uh, Casemiro, who will say, you know, I'll tackle just as hard in the 90th minute as I do at the beginning of the game. Um, I go into any all tackles with the intention to take the ball. I don't care, you know, like it's just they're fighters, they're warriors, you know. In every sense of the word that you can bring up, warrior, and you're getting you know, I'm like I say, I always you know talk about the days that I fought and things like that. And I've seen, you know, I've seen, uh, I've coached guys that are just absolute beasts, man. You know, um, guys that inspire me. You know, like I, I, I didn't, I didn't have that work ethic. You know, I think part of being, you know, and 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 that's one thing I like to say always is that you know it's it's important to always have to have some sort of humility. You know, I don't, um, I fought, man, but I wasn't a. I, I don't think I was ever a great fighter. Um, I did well, but I don't think I was ever a great fighter um, or a phenomenal fighter, a world class fighter. I I fought some world class dudes that messed me up. You know, um, I stood in there with some world class dudes that didn't knock me out. You know, I lost the fight, but I was able to stand my ground. But then you see these guys that just have this tunnel vision. You know, um, I've coached guys like that. And then I've spoken with guys like that um, on, on on podcasts and things like that and, and interviews in the fight world where there's this tunnel vision where they just don't see anything besides the prize. They don't see anything besides winning. You know, they just, they, they, it's, it's a strange thing. It's hard to explain on a podcast. But if you've ever sat down, any of you out there, but if you've ever sat down with somebody, and it doesn't even have to be whether it's fighting or sports or any work of any um any uh walk of life, any business, any uh I don't know, a lot of times it's it's sports related. There's just a tunnel vision that's extreme. That's it's it's really hard to describe, but it's like like they're only focused on that moment. Like talking to them, you're talking to them, but they're still kind of zoned out. It's like the only thing they visualize in their mind at all times is the win. Or the only thing that they care about is training. Whether that's training for a fight or that's training for a football match or that's training for, 
I don't know, a weightlifting, you know, meet or a wrestling meet or a jujitsu match because, you know, background. And like I said, once again, I saw a lot of the backgrounds I've seen is, is in martial arts, but I mean in football. And then, you know, you see, I've been watching a lot of Formula One lately as well. Um, you know, and you see that get, obviously, you know, those guys, they have to put themselves in some sort of a, they're in some sort of a trance, um, when they get in the car, because any lack of concentration, any lack of focus at that moment, you're talking about life or death. And that doesn't happen in, that doesn't happen in football. Um, but I would see it in fighting because it does happen in fighting, you know, in fighting, you know, that when you go into the ring, uh, I would say, you know, once the bell rang, uh, all the fear that I used to feel would go out the window. Uh, once I felt that first contact in, in inside of the ring, um, the fear would go away and you would just run on what I think is the combination of instinct of not wanting to get hit and hurt and trying to protect yourself combined with muscle memory and training that you've done over and over and over again in the gym in order to be ready for the fight. And then as you progress and as you get better, you start hearing your corner and you start understanding what they're telling you. You know, the, the, you know, the first few fights are scary as hell because you don't hear what they're telling you. Um, because you're just so zoned in and just in a survival mode almost. But then as you get more used to the game, in this case, you know, the fight game, you start understanding what you have to, you know, you start the adrenaline dump, you know, it happens, but you start being able to hear your corner and understand the strategy and them yelling at you and telling what you what to do. And I think in football, it's the same thing for some of these young guys. Like today we were talking, we were seeing, you know, Getafe, you know, against Getafe, we were seeing guys like Chust and, and, and Antonio Blanco and Sergio Arribas, although Sergio Arribas has, has played with the team a couple times already in the first, uh, with the first team. But for a lot of those guys, you know, the lights, the pressure, all of that type of stuff, you you zone in and you focus, but you're also, you're very on edge. So going back, I guess, you know, I don't know what I was totally talking about, but in, in this case, it's just talking about how some of these guys are, you know, Modric and Kroos, they're just absolute athletes. And we're lucky to have them on the team. We're lucky to have those guys. And that's, yeah, that's what I was talking about. We're lucky to have those guys. Because they have that, they possess that quality where they zone in, but they're still very, very aware of everything that's going on around them. Especially guys like Tony Cross, who can, you know, basically serves a, a cross from across the field and lays it at the feet of Vinicius, uh, you know, like a, like putting the ball on a silver platter so that he can score. Modric too. Uh, Casemiro going into a tackle, you know, timing it correctly and making sure that, you know, he gets the ball. You know, he, he just zones in on the ball and he takes it away. He gets it. It's his, you know. It's almost like he tells himself, uh, this is going to be mine no matter what happens. And we're lucky to have those guys. But then we see what happens when we don't have them. So today's game against Hetafe. Uh, like I was saying, I, I'm, I'm not even, I'm not even, I wouldn't even say I'm, I'm disappointed that we didn't get the three points, but I'm not angry at the team because of the fact that we are playing with spare parts. We are playing with guys that number one, yes, like with Odio Sola that I feel like doesn't have any business playing with Real Madrid, uh, with Asensio that I think, you know, continues to show, you know, he showcases good things in some games and then, you know, the, the consistency isn't there, which is what we talk about 
in being a world-class player. Um, and then you have new guys, which are probably, and a lot of times the pressure in the moment can make them commit mistakes. Um, but then you have guys like Modric and you have guys like, um, you know, in this case, I would say Modric and Courtois uh, that just absolutely uh, are in the moment all the time. And if it and if it weren't for them, if it weren't for guys like him today and Militao, who had a, I think had a great performance and has stepped up once again and has shown that he should stay at this club, um, you know, he's still young and I think he's still got a great future ahead of him. Um, and then guys like Nacho, who I mean couldn't play today, of course, but you know there is there is there is a life after Sergio Ramos if hopefully Sergio Ramos doesn't leave. But and if Varane leaves, you know there is people to take his place if we decide to let go of Varane in order to you know make some money off of him and and and, and get somebody else since he seems like he wants to leave. You know there is life. But uh, going back to the game, I thought you know it was it was a wild game to watch. It was not I wouldn't say it was boring. It was just wild. It was all over the place. There was no cohesiveness. There was no clarity. It was uh, it was kind of a, a battle of attrition because I felt both guy both teams were playing at the same thing. You know, um, re- you know, kind of try and retain possession and then and keep the ball and uh, of you know keep try to keep the ball out of the other guy's hands as much as you can or, or the other guy's feet as much as you can and then when you had a chance to attack attack and counter um and they were both playing the same thing you know and they were both uh, defending um they weren't venturing too far out they wouldn't didn't want to get caught out of position so it was really a sort of a stalemate in that sense because it made it seem in a lot of ways like Getafe and Real Madrid were are two teams that are on, I would say, a level playing field in terms of talent. But that's also because the most talented players on our team um, were not there. You know? So it evened out. And so I think at the end, the, the result was fair. Um, you know, we could talk about VAR and how I really think it was when I when I first saw the goal from um, Mariano. I totally thought it was. Um, actually, no. When I first saw the goal from Mariano, I thought they were going to call it offside. But that's because the the way that they shot it on the channel that I was watching, um, I think they were talking about something else or playing a replay, and then they sort of caught the end of it. They caught the end of the play where Mariano was already on the run with the ball, you know, dribbles around the keeper and shoots on goal, and it kind of rolls into goal. Um, and so when he calls it offside, I'm like, oh, was he really offside or whatever? But then they showed the replay, and I was like, wait a minute, he wasn't offside. And then they showed it from another angle, and I was like, well, you know, it seems really close. And then looking at a couple of the different replays that I've seen, it just seems really close or... Uh, that he was onside. So who knows? But I'm not going to care about that. You know, I don't care about that type of stuff, man. This whole VAR thing and everybody talking about robbery and robberies and getting robbed and you know this this narrative that we have sometimes in the Spanish the the Spanish press and the Spanish fans and madridistas. But everybody seems to be looking for like some boogeyman, somebody to somebody to uh 
blame for all our shortcomings all the time, whether it's a player, whether it's Sidan, whether it's VAR, whether it's Tebas, you know, uh, who's, you know, the head of the, the, the La Liga. It just seems to me, you know, there's always, we got to blame somebody for something, you know, there's always this thing, you know, and it just seems like whining all the time. Anyway, so those were my thoughts on the game. And, uh, you know, so what I wanted to talk about, I guess, is this whole Super League thing. You know, because after after the game was over, then, you know, I not I don't know if, I don't know how many hours passed, but a couple hours passed, and, you know, there's already talk about Super League being announced tonight and that 12 different teams were going to be in the Super League or whatever the hell it is. And and then they announced this thing, and, and then I just, you know, I'm, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of it. And I see that there are people that follow me that are fans of it, um, but I'm not a fan of it. And I could say I respectfully disagree or whatever, but I'm a hot-headed dude, you know, so I'm going to say what I'm going to say, you know. Uh, it's greed. It's 100% greed. It's greed. It's bullshit. It's the same thing that happens all over the world right now, which is this, uh, no matter what we do in this, you know, in, in this world right now, everything is about money. Everything is about large corporations uh, running the show, um, you know. And, and, and in a lot of ways, it's, yeah, it's, it's these, you know, it's the people that have money that those are the ones that make the decisions, the people in power. And then everyone else has sort of got to, got to, you know, shuffle along and do what they say, you know, um, in some cases, you know, I shuffle along too, you know, um, in some cases I agree with some of the things, uh, that are done by governments. And then sometimes I'm not. So whether you're, you know, and then some by governments or, or by corporations or, you know, sometimes, you know, by like, let's say in this whole COVID situation by, by pharma, you know, cause if you're, if you're taking the vaccine, then you're bowing, you know, you're, you're letting your, you're believing in big pharma, you know, you're believing in the government telling you to inject yourself with this experimental, you know, experimental drug, which might have a microchip in it or some shit, you know, it's strange, you know, so we're all bowing down apparently to somebody, you know. And it always seemed like, you know, and then sports, you know, you know, sports was, it was for a lot of people is, is their way of getting away from all the BS. Right. Um, and I understand, you know, why some people get angry about sports getting into politics, you know, especially if you don't agree with certain things, you know, I, you know, if I'm somebody who, who happens to agree with, you know, people using their platform to stand up for the disenfranchised to stand up for against racism, to stand up against, uh, oppression, you know, use, use your voice. You know, you have, if, if you have the platform, use it. So I do agree with that. I agree with sports getting involved in those type of things. The players, you know, because a lot of people look up to the players. Um, but then there's the the ulterior. I mean, the the difference. I think the 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 flip side to things is not all players are role models, guys. You know, the the leagues and you know and the leagues and their and and these players handlers, uh, whether it's their PR guys or their agents, want you to see them as role models. But being a role model is more than somebody telling you to be a role model. 
You know, it's, it's, you have to want to be a role model. And if you don't want to be a role model, that's cool too, man. You know, there are plenty of players that I wouldn't consider role models, you know, maybe role models in the sense that they overcame, you know, abject poverty and got out of like, in, in like the Brazilian player, a lot of Brazilian players and, or, or the players in, in African players or in Europe or wherever they're from getting out of abject poverty, you know, in South America, getting out of abject poverty, you know, all the story. And I've seen them, you know, because my family, my, my family's from Colombia and I saw a lot of these, you know, all these players that play for the Colombian national team, you know, some of them, you know, uh, worked as, I don't know, worked as fishermen or bus drivers or worked on a bus or something like that. And then they ended up playing, you know, for the, the national team just through hard work and dedication and ended up getting there, you know, and they ended up, becoming, um, how would I say, uh, examples of overcoming adversity, of following your dreams and making it work. But here's the reality of life is that that doesn't happen for everyone. And so what happens is, you know, we, we always, you know, we always want to look at these guys as role models, but they didn't choose to be role models. They chose to follow a path. They showed, they chose to follow a dream. And then all of this stuff is, you know, you know, the problem with, I, I think with sometimes the problem with sports is there's a whole mechanism behind it. There's a whole, uh, you know, uh, there's PR and there's the club and then the club wants you to act a certain way or wants you to say certain things. And they, you know, the sports world wants you to act, say certain things in interviews and act a certain way and do all these things. And so you're supposed to be this role model, but that's not necessarily who you are. And it's, it's fake. It's contrived to try to be it when you're not, you know? So I appreciate players that are crazy and do whatever the hell they want. You know, you know, as much as I've disliked Neymar in the past, you know, at least he's genuine. Sometimes, you know, sometimes he can be a dick. Sometimes he's not. And sometimes he's painted as, you know, being a crybaby or whatever. And, and, you know, but the, and the dude likes to party, you know, like Ronaldinho too, you know, like Ronaldinho, you know, he was, he was always known for wanting to party or look at Maradona. He was Maradona is an amazing player you know, wasn't this amazing, amazing footballer, but outside of the field, he had a reputation that wasn't always good, you know, and, and, but we, you know, then we we'll, you know we question these guys and we're like, "Well, why are they not role models or whatnot? Why are they behaving that way? Don't they know there's little kids watching them?" Well, man, if you're a parent, in my case, like if you're a parent, then fucking you know, you know, tell your kid that Maradona is not a role model. Maybe in the soccer sense, you know, or in the footballing sense, he is. But besides that, no, not his life. You know. So where's all this going? <clears throat> I don't know. It's just, it's crazy to me because I was thinking about like what, you know, the, 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 I was going to write down a whole thing, but I don't like, sometimes I don't like writing down like an article or writing down kind of a lot of times like a, like an, like a sort of an opinion piece I was going to write about, you know, what I was feeling when I got the, when we saw the announcement of uh, the super league, because I didn't want to be sitting here listening or, you know, making you listen to something I wrote because it doesn't seem as genuine as when it's coming from, you know, just me ad-libbing, you know, just doing it on the fly. 
Um, but what is this all this going to? Is, is what is what is football? You know, what is it? What is it? You know, and and if we think about it, and if I go back to these guys being role models and coming up from all this stuff, it's 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 that football is at least the sport that appeals. The reason it appeals to a lot of times to everyone is that all you need is a ball. You don't even need shoes. All you need is a ball or something that resembles a ball and rolls. And it doesn't matter, you know, the status where you're from, uh, the money you have, you know, the neighborhood you come from, the color of your skin. It doesn't matter. It's a game where you just grab the ball and you can make up anything to, to you know, indicate that it's a gold, you know, whether it's two shirts or two shoes or two socks or whatever, or two trees, whatever, and say, these are, these are the goalposts. And we're going to play a game. You know, and, and, and that's the beauty of football. It was, it doesn't have, it comes from anyone can play it. Anyone can try and play it. Not everyone's going to be good at it, but everyone can play it. You know, there's all these things like, you know, like, you know, I, you know, like American football, like American football. It's like, you have to have all this gear to play it, you know? Um, like if you want to play it professionally, like if you want to play it professionally, or even if you want to get into some sort of like peewee league or something like that, there's gear that you have to wear. You can play a pickup game in the neighborhood and things like that, but I don't, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I grew up in the States. I didn't see a lot of people playing pickup games of, of football. I see it with basketball, which is why I think basketball is another sport that, you know, basketball is another sport that I, that I respect a lot, you know? Um, I enjoy a lot because I think it's another sport where you could just pick up a ball and go, you know, and, and you see it a lot here, which is why I think the growth of basketball is so huge in the United States and which is why I think the, the, uh, which why it's just also why I feel like the, the connection between basketball players and football players that we see, um, you know, of, of, you know, basketball players and football players liking each other, you know, whether it's, you know, Antoine Griezmann going to a Heat game or, or going to a LeBron game or Stephon Curry going, I don't know, to a, to a, or, you know, a basketball player going to, to a Manchester United game or a Real Madrid game or whatever. There's a kinship in the fact that a lot of times these guys came from nothing and their talent and their hard work took them to where they are today. And that there's a system that allows them to grow within the ranks. You know, whether you go into a small club, you start at a small club and you, you do real well and then you evolve to another club and then you go to another club, you know, another club notices you and now you're in the second division or you're in the third division and then you're in the second division and then you work your way up and now you're in the first division of like a major league in Europe or, or wherever. You're like, oh man, you know, and then somebody else notices you and then you're in one of these big teams in Europe, you know, the, the big names, like the one this podcast represents, you know, Real Madrid, you know, or, or, or I don't know, other big teams, whether it's uh, Manchester United or uh, Bayern Munich, PSG, you know, these big, these big name clubs. 
And the goal, the dream is to get there one day, right? And then I don't know, man. I just, I just, and the thing is also sometimes we look at all these clubs, we look at all these clubs as these, you know, amazing, amazing entities, you know, these, these amazing entities, uh, these amazing clubs. And then you realize that, you know, that, that money ruins a lot of fucking things, man. You know, it used to be where you just played the game and politics wasn't involved and it wasn't all about money. And the people involved in, in making the game run weren't just all about cash. And that's what I feel this whole thing with the the, the the Super League is, man. It's all about money. It's not about the game. It's not about improving the game. It's all about greed. You know, and then a lot of people are defending it by saying, oh, well, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's finally a way to move away from UEFA and FIFA that are so corrupt or whatever. You know, and, and that's that's why we have to move away from them because it's going to be good because now everything's in the club's hands. But have you guys seen who runs these clubs? Huh? I mean, this, the same billionaires that run the clubs are the same billionaires are, are exactly the same as the billionaires that run UEFA and run FIFA. There's no difference between these guys. It's just one has, yeah, one, one, maybe UEFA and FIFA, or, or we know for sure UEFA and FIFA were dipping their pot, their hands into the pockets of the other. And so now these clubs say, no, 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 we don't want you dipping in our pockets anymore. We want to, you know, we want, we want the whole share. We don't need you. We want the whole share of money now. You know, and so we say, okay, yeah, you know. But, you know, here's something I'm going to say, and then this is where I'm going to catch some flack. But if you believed that UEFA was always on the, on the, uh, on the side of Real Madrid or Barcelona or Juventus or the big clubs, that they were always trying to screw over the small clubs in the Champions League, what makes you think that in the Super League, when these 12 teams are playing against each other, that these guys aren't going to try to outdo each other? Why? Because you think it's because they're all playing in the same league, so it's going to make it fair? That they, because of the fact that they're all equally strong and equally have you know a vested interest in the game, it's going to make it fair? Let me remind you who's running the entire thing. It's Florentino Perez. Who loves power. He loves money. And I love the guy for what he's done with Madrid. But when you have too much power, and in this case he's going to run this thing, if we were already Madridistas and being blamed for uh, apparently robbing champions leagues and robbing and, and paying off refs and everything to get calls going our way. What's going to happen if Real Madrid wins the super league, the first season of the super league or the second league of the, the second one of the super league. 
You think the same people that are involved are not going to be questioning, hey, man, why is the team that is always, uh, why is the team that the chairman of this entire thing um, is a part of, is president of, is also winning this Super League year after year? You know, what do you think that these guys, these guys are all, you know, all of a sudden because they're not, because UEFA and FIFA are not involved, all of a sudden these clubs are saints? That it's going to take away, oh yeah, let's take it away from them because, you know, uh, UEFA and FIFA are corrupt. Who's to say these guys aren't corrupt either? Do these guys even care about football? Do the Glazers really care about Manchester United and how well they do? I really don't think they care, man. They just care that it's a it's a brand that's marketable and has been for a long time because of its because of its history. They don't care about the team. They don't care about the fans and the people that that have a history with that team and have been have been following it forever. They just see it as a brand that they can get money off of. And and the, the thing that's laughable to me, the thing that's laughable to me is like you have you have part of the, you know, part of the 12 uh, of Europe's leading football clubs that are, you know, doing this thing, uh, you know, that are creating this thing happen to also be Milan Arsenal, Spurs, get out of here with that shit, man. That's not the Europe's leading football clubs. When was the last time Spurs did anything? And I'm not even trying to, I'm not, I'm not hating on Spurs. So do you guys that are any of you that are Spurs fans, I'm not hating on Spurs uh, for you being a Spurs fan. But what I'm hating on is where they can get off saying basically that they are the one of the Europe's leading football clubs when you guys of Spurs fans know that they really haven't done anything in for years, no titles to even warrant being part of some sort of European Super League. You know, have you no, I don't know, have, have you no shame? And I'm talking about not the Spurs fan, but the, the, the people that, you know, what's his name? Levy, Daniel Levy or whatever his name is. Don't you have any shame? You're not one of the top clubs in Europe. What have you won? So now you're going to go and play in a Super League every single year with no relegation, nothing, you know, so you, let's say, let's say the, the domestic leagues don't throw people out because I don't think that's going to happen. You know, that the domestic, you know, that the premier leagues and all these domestic leagues are not going to let these big 12 teams play in their leagues anymore. But what's going to happen? You know, when, when, you know, in your domestic leagues, you, you perform the way you're performing right now. You're in what, like sixth place or something like that, or seventh place. You don't qualify for the Champions League. So what you do is you just you just grease the wheels without any you just grease the wheels with money because that's what you have. You have money. You just grease the wheels and basically say, "You know what? Uh 
I don't have to qualify for Champions Leagues. I don't even have to worry about this domestic league anymore because you know what? I am in the Super League every single year and I get paid a shitload of money to be there. So there's no merit. You're not getting there because you're good. You're getting there because you grease the wheels, man. Milan too. You know, the greatness of, of, of AC Milan... They haven't gone to a Champions League since 2014. Arsenal. Arsenal's in the Europa League. Arsenal, man. Arsenal. The last time I remember seeing Arsenal, they, they get, were getting spanked by Bayern Munich in the Champions League. Absolutely decimated by them. Inter hasn't been out of the knockout phase since what, like 2011, Inter Milan? And these are supposedly the biggest clubs? You know? The great thing about the Champions League and UEFA Champions League right now, even though, yes, it might be a flawed system, but the great thing is that you have to earn it by doing well in the domestic league and getting in the top four. Let's say for for you know for these for um, Serie A for for La Liga for any of these you have to get in the top four in order to qualify, and so then you get to the Champions Leagues by merit. So to me, this is just you know this is just a, a in a lot of ways it's a disgusting amount of greed because. Boo-hoo, we're not making it in the Champions Leagues anymore. UEFA isn't helping us to make it in the Champions Leagues and Champions League anymore. They're not helping us get in anymore when it's not UEFA's fault that you suck. You know? That you haven't been able to make it into the Champions League. It's not their fault that you suck. And haven't been to able to replicate, you know, the the wins or the form that you've had maybe in the past. In the days, you know, we know that AC Milan had in the past. The days Inter Milan had in the past. That Arsenal, Arsenal had during the Invincibles era. And once again, no offense to Spurs fans, but when, when did Spurs have really an era? where they were dominant, where they were an absolutely feared team. And I love a lot of the Spurs players. Son, Harry Kane, you know, I like a lot of these guys, man. But they just haven't been able to consistently make it anywhere. So what makes him, What makes them, uh, you know, qualify for this thing? What makes them get to play European football against all the big the big teams against the big teams, you know? What can, what what make uh, what merits them to do that? You have to earn it. This is like a like a boxing match. You want to fight, you know. I remember that line from Fast and the Furious. You don't get it, you don't just you don't just get in the ring with Ali cuz you think you can box. You can't be a shitty, like I'm going back to my fighting days thing. You can't be a shitty fighter in boxing and then all of a sudden start calling out people. 
now we're starting to see that because that's what's happening in this world where it's disgusting where you know now like people like jake paul who who you wouldn't be able to cut into the ring with any actual legit boxer is making millions of dollars with these bullshit fights and people are tuning in because they just want to see a fucking shit show because they want to see something where it's the big money bout because we're in a world where influencers where people who have done nothing with their fucking lives except look good in a in a picture can now make millions of dollars and supposed and supposedly that's their talent and that's what people want to see and i see a lot of people act like that um you know on this twitter and all this on twitter and all these things today is just, you know oh it's going to be exciting to see all the big teams go out against each other because who cares about who cares about sevilla who cares about valencia who cares about all these little teams man Just dorks, bro. Who cares about those teams? The people that live in those state, the people that live in those countries, the people that have been Sevilla fans since you were even a thought, you know, since you were even a thought in your daddy's head, dude. You know? Since mommy and dad, before even mommy and daddy thought about having you, before even daddy met mommy, bro. Sevilla has had football fans. Valencia has had football fans. Valencia has six Liga, La Liga titles. Valencia has made it to the to the Champions League finals. Just because their current form, you know. So why in this twelve, uh, you know, in this in this this circuit of I don't know this. A uh, group of twelve uh, monster clubs, huh? Why is uh, why is Tottenham in there, right? And not the likes of I don't know, uh, Deportivo La Coruña, who won a who won a La Liga. Hmm. Why is Athletic Bilbao not in there? They're also a huge team that, that has won a lot of things in the past in Spanish football. Why is that less why is Leicester City not in there? They won. They won a, a, a league title. They made a run in the Champions League. How come they're not in there? How come Blackburn isn't in there? You know, these are all teams that have that have also, you know been strong teams there's a lot of big name teams that are not on this list that were at once big name teams you know that were at once Europe's leading football clubs that have more merit to be in there than Arsenal or Spurs Atletico Madrid hasn't even won a Champions League Spurs hasn't even won a Champions League. Arsenal hasn't won a Champions League. You know, I mean, what what is how are they Europe's leading football clubs? You know why? Because the, because of money. That's the problem. And that's once again, it's not about it's not about merit. It's about greed. And it fucking pisses me off. 
And, oh, you know, but we want to see all the best teams play against each other. So you just basically want to see a league of 15, 15 teams play against each other. Whether, I mean, because I guess it's 12 right now, but there's three more that want to join. So it's 15 teams that play against each other, and there'll be five invitational teams. So it'll be 20 teams in total, a league of 20, 10. You know, there's going to be a group of 10 and then another group of 10, and they're going to have away matches, uh, you know, one away, one, one, you know. But there's no relegation, so whatever. It's just the same tournament every fucking year with the same the same teams, you know. But we'll throw a couple of shekels, you know, the way of the the five, the the. We'll throw a couple, a little bit of money here, uh, every five uh, to five teams that do well, that do well in their domestic leagues. What happens if that team, uh, let's say for like Arsenal and Tottenham and Manchester United, that that uh, that struggle here that have struggled the last few years. What happens if those teams, those one of those five teams in the premier league or whatever, uh, qualifies, I mean, not qualifies is beating the shit out of you in the league. Do they get a piece of the pie when they get into the league? The same amount, are they going to earn the same amount of money that you're earning being one of the founding fathers? No, they're not. You know, I don't know. There's, you know, and I'm just talking out my ass right now. I'm not, I'm not uh, you know, uh, there's still so many things that remain to be seen about this, you know, about what's exactly going to happen. But, you know. It's it's just crazy to me that this this is this is this is what football's come to now, you know. So we're just going to have a, a super league where it's going to be every year. It's going to be the same teams. So people always talk about a farmer's league, you know. And it's such crap because on any given day, any team can beat you. And that's the beauty of the league system the way it is. And what I think is, and, and it's funny that it was announced today and so many people have called it out. It's announced today when Arsenal couldn't beat a Fulham. When Juventus were beat by Atalanta. You know? Getafe just tied with Real Madrid. These European elites struggling to beat non-European elites. But all of a sudden, you know, oh yeah, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna create this league of european elites because we can't play these sh we don't want to play these shit teams anymore it's absolutely disgusting it's just elitism at its finest it's just uh you know it's it, it that's what it is it's elitism at its finest it's greed at its finest you know, the whole great thing about Champions League and the whole great thing about football in the last few years with, with the Champions League is that you don't get to see uh, the, the huge matchups all the time, which is what makes it exciting. You know, we look at El Clásico as being an exciting thing because it doesn't happen all the time. It happens twice a year. And then occasionally it would happen more times because they qualify, you know, they have to face each other in Copa del Rey and they have to face each other possibly in the Champions League, but it barely ever happens. And that's what's exciting. It's exciting to have to, when, when they finally square up and you're like, 
oh my God, Bayern Munich is going to play Barcelona, you know? Or Real Madrid is going to have to play PSG. You know, when you get to that, that's what makes it exciting because it's something that doesn't normally happen. But if it's going to happen every single year without fault, that they're, all these teams are going to play each other constantly, it takes away from the the it takes away from the I don't know the 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 novelty of it the 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 anticipation you know seeing two of the biggest European teams clash in a game you know in an all out in an all-out tournament. Where, where, and then, and it's going to take away from the fact that that whole, you know, the whole uh, saying of any given Sunday, you know, on any given Sunday, anything can happen. Cadiz can beat Real Madrid. You know? Uh, what is it? Um, Cadiz can beat Real Madrid. Um, Levante can beat Barcelona. You know? A, a Sheffield United can beat, I don't know, Manchester United 5-0. 3-0. I mean, didn't Aston Villa beat... Uh, Liverpool like seven something earlier this season or West Ham. I don't know. That wasn't, I don't remember the games exactly, but haven't there been lopsided games that no one expected and they happened. You know, just these past few years, we've seen, you know, we've seen surprises in the Champions Leagues with teams like with teams like Leicester City making runs and teams like Monaco making runs and teams like Ajax making incredible runs and making everybody stand up and get excited for a team that wasn't one of the European elites. That's what's exciting. I'm one of those guys who, yes, I like Real Madrid and I want them to win, but I also cheer on the little guys, the little guys who don't normally make it. I like seeing that. I like watching, you know, and I feel it's exciting when a team is going to get relegated so they're fighting to not get relegated. Because those teams, those are like those teams of, of animals, you know, when animals are, are, are injured, you know. You can't walk into a team, you know, can't, like at the end of the season, you can't be a top-level team and face one of these teams that's fighting relegation uh, thinking that you're going to beat them because they're, they're like injured animals, man. They are going to fight to the last, you know, breath to stop from getting relegated because they want to stay with the big dogs. It's it's just disgusting to me that those things those those narratives don't happen anymore, and how excited some of these these stadiums get when Real Madrid and Barcelona come to town, and not in the league because we don't know if they're not going to be able to play in the league anymore, but in the Champions League, 
you know, when a team like uh, I don't know, like Celtic is gonna run, uh, is gonna play uh, Real Madrid, and they barely ever see that matchup, and those fans, those fans, those fans in Scotland get to see Real Madrid come to them, and try to see their favorite, their heroes, their hero, their hometown heroes play against one of the biggest clubs in Europe. There's an emotional connection there. And these people don't give a fuck about it, man. All these big clubs and, and corporations that run some of these clubs, they don't care about any of that stuff. It's bullshit. And I'm 100% against it. And, it. and it disappoints me to no end, being a Real Madrid fan that I am, that Real Madrid and Florentino Perez is the one running this thing. It bothers the fuck out of me, man. And I'll still be a Real Madrid fan and I'll follow him. I'll see what happens with this thing. But it really does take the wind out of my sails, you know? Because it's just another way of showing, it's not the evolution of the sport. The problem is it's the evolution of this world, how money is just in everything now and it ruins everything for the guys that don't have it. And then here we are like suckers. A lot of people, a lot of you people on Twitter and things are suckers, man. You know? That you're defending these things like, oh, it's going to be more fair. It's going to be awesome. Or it's going to be whatever. Because you know what? Those guys don't care about you. You're defending these guys. You're, you're saying, you know, oh, it's going to be better because the clubs are going to have more money over, you You know, the UEFA is no longer going to be corrupt or whatever. You know, the corrupt UEFA is, not gonna, is no longer going to be uh, uh, the ones leading the, leading the, the charge when it comes to European football. But now it's going to be what? a select few of corporate entities of, you know of, of corporate entities and 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 presidents and and people other people that are just getting millions and millions of dollars and uh and and but we're cool with that right you're just we're just all cogs in a machine man we're just all suckers You know, we're just watching this shit and then we're like, ah, you know, and then, and the thing is before you could, you could get away with it because you could say, you know, and I'm looking at this thing, man. I'm looking at this, uh, this article right now <clears throat> from Jonathan Liu in the guardian. And I liked it because he says only someone who truly hates football can be behind a European super league. And I believe that. Because what bothers them is competitiveness. They don't like competitiveness. They don't want to see, you know, you, you guys that wanted to see these comp teams compete against each other, these big dogs compete against each other. You know, that it, it, where's the competition? It's just the same guys over and over again. Nobody gets relegated. You know, what are we going to do next? Because we want to follow what we want to follow the American, the American way of doing things. What are we going to play seven best of seven games now? They don't care about the players either, I guess, you know. It always bothers me. Why, why best of seven? What the fuck is the point in that? Except sucking more money out of everybody. What's the purpose of best of seven? It's Homer away. That's the way the game should be played. Best of seven is only a way to just keep getting money, keep getting money, keep getting money. It's the most ridiculous thing ever. 
you know, and, and the thing is we have all these things, you know, you'll never walk alone by Liverpool, Mesquion Club by Barcelona, you know, we're more than a club. We're so involved in our community. We're there for the little guy, you know, we're the representatives of the little, fuck that, they're not. And these all came from working class neighborhoods, man. That's how they all started. And then we let these corporations, these big money, you know, these big money dictators, these just big, these just CEOs come in with all their money and no love of the game come in. And the only thing they want to do is line their pockets. And that's it. They don't care about the players. They don't care about the titles. They only care about the titles because they mean money. They don't care about the players. They only care about the players and the name on the on the on the uh, on the uh, on the shirt because it because some players will bring in more revenue for the for the club. They don't care about the game. You know. They don't care about me taking my son to go watch. You know, uh, Real Madrid because I've loved Real Madrid since I was since I was a kid. And I'm trying to show him, you know, how much I Real Ma- love Real Madrid because it's a, it, you know, they're the best players, they're the best team. And they compete and how they compete and they're, you know, watching them, their skills on the pitch, the ball going into the net. That right there, money can't buy. The feeling of that. Because that's what football is. It's a ball going into a net. It's guys with skill on the pitch. If you were to take all this bullshit money out of it, it would still be guys running around on the field with skills that they've developed over time. The only thing is now these guys saw that they could make money off of it, and that's what they're doing. And so what happens with the development of players from these small teams, these small clubs, these small canteras, you know? Like Southampton, which is known for having, you know, a pretty solid, you know, talent pool or Ajax that develops good players or Porto that develops good players. Where do they go? Well, I don't know. Porto seems like it's going to go into the Super League, so fuck them too. But, you know, all of these guys... What happens to those guys? And 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 what are we going to do with these teams? I mean, uh, you know, one of the things that I wonder is, so if these guys are making so much money, these these guys in the Super League, what's to stop them? Like, if if somebody has a fantastic run, somebody like a Leicester City has a fantastic run in the domestic league, from not just buying the entire team then. I mean, yeah, that happens now with some of these. It happens now precisely because there's these huge oil company teams now, you know, with these huge, you know, huge budgets. So how is this, you know, not going, how is this any different from what UEFA has already supposedly? Only that instead of UEFA taking its chunk now, it's just the whole club taking the chunk. But how does this even the playing field? It's not going to even the playing field. It's just going to make the disparity wider and wider and wider and wider. 
And what happens to these clubs, these other clubs that are not in the, in the, in the, of the uh, European elite and the kids growing up are no longer, you know, the kid, you know, we have the way people think right now is like, Oh, if you don't play with one of these clubs, if you, it's like, it's funny to me to people think like Everton is shit. Uh, Everton is crap. Sheffield United is crap. Um, I don't know. Uh, West guy is crap. Uh, Valencia is crap. Uh, Real Betis is crap. Sevilla is crap. Why? Because they don't make it to the champions league every year. But these are teams all that have vast history. And that's the beauty of it. There are people that go to the stadiums. I mean, I remember when watching the, you know, that's the thing they're doing all this right now because there's nobody in the stadiums that would basically shit all over them and boo the fuck out of them. If they were to announce this during that kind of time, they're doing it when nobody can fight back. The only way we could do it is on the airwaves like this and in blogs and things like that and on Twitter, but it doesn't affect them. You know, so nobody can boo them. Nobody can, nobody can tell them to, you know, that, you know, to take their super league and shove it up their ass. Nobody can tell them that stuff, man. It's disgusting to me, man. You know, it's just, and they, like I said, the disparities is going to go. You have, you have people already, you know, and it's amazing for me to see, you know, I respect some of these fans, man. The people that are like, I don't know. Let's say, like I was saying, like Southampton fans, or if you're an OGC Nice fan, or if you're a Napoli fan, you know, those people that, regardless of how bad their team is doing, it's like an identity that they grew up with. I had a, I had this, I have this friend, you know, he, he's from Germany and he's a big supporter of Hamburg, you know. And, and for the longest time, their their biggest, the biggest thing Hamburg had in their history was that they were one of the only teams in the Bundesliga that had never been relegated. You know, they had been, I guess, one of the founding teams of the Bundesliga that had not been relegated ever. And then I think like, well, maybe what, two years ago or something or two or three years ago, they were relegated and it was like an absolute sadness you know for him because even if they were in last place man this dude would watch the games you know so these small teams all of these teams have merit man they have people who follow them they have people who love them they have people who who work for them you know they have people who are on their payroll For 12 of these, you know, super elite teams, to, as they call, quote unquote, which is already a disgusting term to be just like, fuck you guys. We're going to make this exclusive club, you know, of our 12, 15 scumbag teams, which unfortunately my club that I have loved since I was 13, 14 years old is a part of. And is actually leading the charge on this thing. You know. 
we're going to run our little thing and screw all of you guys. We're going to run our little thing because we don't like it how the Champions League is doing. Because occasionally in the Champions League, we don't do well. Because occasionally, because you know what? Even though I'm Tottenham and I've never really done anything in my entire life as a team, I feel that because I have the money to pay my way into a gigantic Super League and earn a shitload of money out of absolutely no merit, with absolutely no merit and no reason that I should be able to face all the European elites, quote unquote. I think I, you know, I think I should be there because I have the money. Nah, man, it's absolute bullshit. UEFA and FIFA don't have, you know, UEFA in this case isn't at fault because you guys suck and you can't make it. So now you have to make a little league of your buddies and your pals where you guys play each other all the time. So what are you going to do, Tottenham? What are you going to do, Arsenal or Inter Milan uh, and AC Milan? What are you guys going to do now? Be at the bottom of this thing all the time? You know, or any of the, if the Spanish clubs don't do, if one of the Spanish clubs doesn't do, do well, what are you going to do? Just be at the bottom of the heap every single year at the bottom of the Super League? Are you going to set a new record for being the team that comes in, what, 20th place year after year? Well, no, because you can't come in 20th place year after year because, of course, there's there's invited teams. And I'm pretty sure those teams that invite you that are invited uh, are not going to be the ones that challenge the top. So let's say you're going to come in 15th out of the 15 founders every year. But you don't care because you're making money. Whatever. That, that's my thought on the whole thing. And it's really pissed me off and it's really, you know, made me, you know, just doubt. You know, I, I love Napoli. I've been a Liverpool fan when it comes to the Premier League. I've been a Napoli fan when it comes to, to the Serie A. And I'm glad Napoli's not in it. Uh, I like the fact that they're rebellious that way. Fuck it. Um, you know, that they don't have the funds and that they're from this, you know, they're from the southern south of Italy where, you know, things are not always as good as uh, the northern part of Italy. And they're going to fight, you know, to keep trying to win Serie A. And I watch them. And, you know, and I watch other teams too. And I watch Real Madrid and hope they do well. And I'll continue calling on them and, and hoping they do well or whatever, but does take a little wind out of my sails. And, and obviously this is all, you know, I've gone on for, you know, might, some of you might not have even been listening to all this, but uh, it's, uh, it's sad, you know, it's really sad. And uh, it's, it's something that I just, uh, you know, I can't get on board with. And I'm going to continue, you know, and, I, and, and the one thing is, you know, we know that this is all going to, maybe this is all going to clarify soon. Maybe it's going to, maybe there's going to be new, more news coming out. And this is, and I, you know, the, probably this is a knee jerk reaction to the whole thing, what I'm saying right now, but it's my, it's the visceral reaction to the whole, to the thing before it's said and done. You know, I don't think UEFA is going to ban players and things like that. Um, I think they're going to come to some sort of, some sort of agreement, but the fact that it's even thought about, the fact that it's even thrown out there, the fact that it's even mentioned, 
is is just the the absolute fuckery that I don't like. So you know, I'm gonna before I leave, I'm gonna leave you with um, something that I really did like today, and that was. I don't agree, you know, I, I, I a lot of times don't like the pundits in England because a lot of times what happens with the English pundits is that they always seem to think that only that football only exists in England and no one, no other uh, teams challenge them, even though we've already seen that, you know, time and time again, they have lost when it comes to Europe, you know. Um, so, you know, that's why sometimes, you know, I, I dislike the way they talk. But for today... You know, Gary Neville spoke out, being a Manchester United fan, spoke out about Manchester United on Sky Sports. So I'm going to leave you with his final thoughts, uh, his thoughts about this whole thing. So if you want to tune out, you can tune out. If you don't, check it out. Well, the reaction to it is that it's been damned, and rightly so. Um, I mean, I'm a Manchester United fan and have been for 40 years of my life, but I'm disgusted, absolutely disgusted. I'm disgusted with Manchester United and Liverpool most. I mean, Liverpool, they pretend you know, you'll never walk alone, the people's club, the fans' club. Manchester United, 100 years, born out of workers around here. And they're breaking away into a league without competition that they can't be relegated from. It's an absolute disgrace. And honestly, we have to wrestle back the power in this country from the clubs at the top of this league, and that includes my club. And I've been calling for 12 months as part of another group for an independent regulator to bring checks and balances in place to stop this happening. It's pure greed. They're imposters. They're imposters. They're nothing to do. The owners of this club, the owners of Liverpool, the owners of Chelsea, the owners of Manchester City, they're nothing to do with football in this country. There are 100 and odd years of history in this country from fans that have lived and loved these clubs. And they need protecting. The fans need protecting. I've benefited from football hugely. I've made money out of football. I invest money into a football club. Now, I'm not against money in football, but the principles and ethos of fair competition and the rights to play the game so that Leicester win the league, they go into the Champions League. Manchester United aren't even in the Champions League. Arsenal aren't even in the Champions League. You watched them earlier on today. They're absolute shambles of a football club at the moment. Tottenham aren't in the Champions League. And they want a God-given right to be in there. They're an absolute joke. And honestly, the time has come now. Independent regulators, stop these clubs having the power base. Enough is enough. It, there does seem to be the suggestion that they would need permission from the Premier League to take part. And without it, it would have to be a breakaway, not just from UEFA competition, but from our domestic competition as well, Gary. So with that in mind, let's be clear about this. What is the motivation? Well, you know what the motivation is, it's greed. Dave, my reaction earlier on wasn't an emotional reaction. Deduct them all points tomorrow, put them at the bottom of the league and take the money off them. Seriously, you have got to stamp on this. This is a, it's criminal. It's a criminal act against football fans in this country. Make no mistake about it. This is the biggest sport in the world. This is the biggest sport in this country. And it's a criminal act against the fans. Simple as that. Deduct points, deduct their money and punish them. Do you think these clubs would have the courage, knowing um, how much widespread Dave, condemnation Dave, they, there is, to go through with it, Gary? Dave, they're bottle merchants. You never hear from the owners of these clubs. Absolute bottle merchants. They've got no voice. And then they'll, they'll probably hide in a few weeks and say it was nothing to do with them. They, oh, they were only talking about it. Seriously, in the midst of a pandemic, an economic crisis, 
Football clubs at National League level going bust nearly. Furloughing players. Clubs on the edge in League 1 and 2. And these lot are having Zoom calls about breaking away and basically creating more greed. <sighs> Joke. <laughs>